So, Father, we look unto you for all that we have need of, for all that you are. Father, we thank you for being good to us. We do not look to men, Father, to meet our needs. We do not look to men, Father, to heal our bodies. We look to you, Father. So, Father, we thank you for these things. We give you all praise and honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Should we focus on the Lord for our needs to be met? You know, we should. It's to our advantage. Amen. Uh, and the more that you walk in faith, the easier that is because uh, you know that that's where your help comes from. And much of the church has uh, really walked away from faith as far as just pure faith. You know, a lot of the church is really focused on the social aspect of Christianity, you know, fellowship and being among each other and you know, and, and that's, of course, that's a valid uh, aspect of Christianity, you know. He talks about fellowship uh, quite a bit in the scriptures. Uh, and so, uh, so there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the core of Christianity, right? Um, if you look at what the, what the Lord teaches, you know, the Lord teaches a lot of things just about on faith. Uh, he teaches a great deal about faith, uh, but also a great deal about character. Uh, and... Um, those are two areas that the church sometimes struggles in, is both character and in faith, amen? And so uh, uh, that would uh, help us understand why did the Lord Jesus spend so much time on those two particular topics, right? About not being a hypocrite and these types of things. Don't be like the Pharisees. And, you know, um, in fact, I was listening to a, a Jewish fellow, you know, and he said, well, actually, I'm a Pharisee, you know, so we're not a big fan of the teaching of Jesus. <laughs> which I can't understand, you know. But if you look at what Jesus said, it's like, well, yeah, because, um, you know, they were unkind to their people, right? And so as leaders of, of the nation of Israel, they should have been examples of a, a close walk with the Lord, but uh, they, it was uh, everything but that, amen? Uh, you know, when you're too good, even for the Lord Jesus, you know, you're probably too good. Uh, and that's the, that's the point that they had gotten to, where they were too good, even for the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so that's a whole, whole another can of worms and discussions we could get into right there, amen? Uh, and so uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Uh, we'll get started today. I was actually looking at my notes, and we are actually really close to completing uh, Dr. Yeoman's book here. And uh, we may even get finished with it today. We'll see. That will be the end of an era right there, right? And so... Um, but these, these have been good books. Uh, I know it's just one book there, but they had the, the publisher to actually put together four of her books into a single volume uh, for our benefit. And so that's the volume that we've been looking at. And, um, and I think she's had uh, many good things that have been to our advantage to learn and to read, uh, especially since she comes from a standpoint of medicine. And it's interesting that, that uh, you know, as we've gone through her book that even some of the things that she thought was so, from a medical standpoint, we've kind of learned that's not quite the way it is nowadays, uh, which is fine. You know, we've, we've learned a lot in the, in the last hundred years since her book was, was published. Um, but still, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, to see, since she understands how, how the, uh, how the uh, body works. And really, after she got saved and after she got healed, uh, for the most part, after that, she didn't really practice med medicine. At that, from that point forward, she pretty much practiced faith, uh, and so. Uh, but she did allow her knowledge of medicine to inform some of her ideas about the scriptures, and so they were fine. There was only a few things we've had to 
go back and look at and, and resolve from the scriptures here. Uh, I think one of the things she said that the most important thing you can do is get sleep. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not of that opinion. I think that one of the most important things you can do is to walk in faith. Amen. I think that's more important than getting sleep. You may have to stay awake to get into more faith. Amen. To study and to pray and to spend time with the Lord in order to increase your faith. Uh, in fact, uh, Jesus said, you know, these things come without, not out except by prayer and fasting. And he specifically talked about unbelief. And so sometimes there's a, some prayer and fasting, spending time with the Lord that's necessary in order to get out unbelief from your life. Sleeping will not do that for you. Amen. I'm just going to sleep more and see if that helps my faith. That will not help your faith. Amen. Uh, and so and if, it, if sleep was that valuable, then you think the Lord would do that. But we know the Bible says that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. And so he doesn't sleep. So it's really just a natural thing. Right. Uh, and that's fine. It's, it's necessary. You physically can't go without sleep for very long before you start uh, degrading in your in your physical life. Um, but yeah, if there are times and seasons that you need to not sleep and instead take that time uh, and to spend time with the Lord, then that's perfectly fine. I think the Lord will hook up with you in that. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, it, you know, if I could not sleep, I would be glad to just stay up 24 hours a day and just do stuff, you know. But it just doesn't happen. I fight it as long as I can. But after a while, you, you've got to get sleep. Amen. Your body was designed to sleep. And, and so it's okay. Jesus slept. Uh, remember, he was asleep in the hinder part of the, the ship. Uh, and it's interesting that he slept, and yet his body was a body like unto Adam's body. His body was built uh, without the sin nature, just like Adam's body was built. And yet he still required sleep, still required eating, still required resting. Remember, he sat down to rest. Uh, and yet uh, he had a body that would, would have lived forever if it hadn't been crucified on the, on the cross. And so it was just a design for whatever reason in this natural world, the Lord designed our bodies to require sleep. And so uh, if, if that's the case, then sleep is fine, right? Uh, too much sleep can cause you problems, uh, but you need to get whatever amount of sleep works for you. Amen. I don't know. The doctors tell you you've got to have a certain amount of sleep. I, I just don't know that to be true because some people, you know, need, you know, you look at a baby and they sleep 12, 14 hours a day. Um, and um, I don't know that most adults need that much sleep, right? Uh, and so, of course, a, a baby, their body is growing and, and doubling in size every year or so, probably less than that in some cases. I guess, you know, Wade is not even a year old. He's doubled in size already, right? Uh, he was less than 10 pounds when he was born. Now he's 20 pounds. So he's not even a year old. So you think about uh, however much you weigh right now, in nine months you double, uh, you double the size of your body. That would take a lot of energy, right? You'd have to consume massive amounts of, uh, uh, of calories for that to occur and, to, and for your body to rest if that was the goal there. Hopefully that's not the goal for anybody to double their weight uh, in the next nine months. But um, anyway, so sleep is fine, right? But it's not the most important thing. Uh, amen. Uh, the most important thing is follow the Lord. You follow the Lord, everything else will be derived from that. Uh, and so she was talking about the value of joy and how that a merry heart doth good like a medicine. It's the King James. I think the Amplified Bible says that the merry heart is medicine to the body. And, and so that's good, right? We should be uh, people of joy. Uh, we should have merry hearts. Uh, and the Bible says it's just like medicine. So um, uh, if you need some recovery in your body of, of ailments, you know, maybe the first medication you need to take is a medication of joy. You know, get, go get joy. And we talked last week extensively about how do we get joy? 
Uh, and Jesus gave us a lot of instruction about that. He said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. So uh, it's not, uh, again, just like when we talked about peace this morning, you don't pray for joy directly and get it. You, you do what he says, and joy is a fruit of you doing what he said to do. And so you don't pray for peace directly. You do what he says, and peace is a result of you doing what he said to do. Uh, and that's really, if you go through all the fruits of the Spirit, uh, including love, you know, he, uh, he said that love uh, in Romans 5, 5, he said that the love of God is shed abroad on our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Well, w- when was the love of God shed abroad on our hearts? When we got saved. So we got saved, and the Lord gave us uh, love in our hearts, uh, the agape love, so that we can use that love to uh, interact with people around us. Uh, and so uh, the love didn't come, well, Lord, give me love. No, the Lord, love came as a result of you acting in faith to be born again, and then you receive love, and you can walk in love in that. So really, if you go through the nine uh, fruits of the Spirit, uh, all of them uh, are fruit are born by you having done and completed some prior action of faith. Uh, and so and you go through the scriptures and find out what you have to do to obtain those. And so love, joy, peace are the first three, that, uh, and I think they're the most important in that order, love, joy, and peace. And joy will produce health in your body. That's a pretty good deal, right? No medicine, no exercise, no extra sleep, right? No eight-ounce eight, eight bottles of water every day, no 10,000 steps. Uh, joy should be first thing. Now, I got no problem doing those other things, but um, you know, a lot of times I hear, I hear even the church say, "Well, you know, uh, we want to be healthy. So as long as we get enough sleep, get enough rest, eat right, and get some exercise, then we'll remain healthy." And if the Word of God says that a merry heart doth good like a medicine, as long as you walk 10,000 steps, is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. So uh, maybe, maybe you only have time to walk 5,000 steps. Maybe you don't have time to walk any steps at all. Maybe you're buried in, in a book somewhere studying and you haven't even got up from your desk all day long. You know, sometimes Jesus prayed all, all night long on his knees. He didn't get up and walk any steps. You know, he walked everywhere else he went, but sometimes he would spend seasons in prayer. Uh, and, you know, that's a sedentary lifestyle. And so maybe Jesus had, he was on cholesterol medication. I don't know. Uh, and so... Well, I do know, actually, I'm being facetious, right? Clearly, he was not on that medication because it didn't exist back then. Uh, but but uh, what caused Jesus to remain healthy? Uh, he remained healthy because he was full of joy. And the joy, the joy in his heart was a medication to his body. So maybe I need to correct my words when the doctor says, what medication are you on? I'm all kinds of medication, doctor. I, I've got joy. I've got peace medication. I've got the love of God medication. You know, I've got all kinds of medication. I'm on strict diet, right, of the Word of God and faith. Uh, and so, because uh, <clears throat> the doctor wants to know what pills are you taking. Well, I'm not taking any pills, but I'm taking lots of medication. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, in fact, the Bible says that, that the Word of God is life unto all those that find Him and health unto all their flesh. So that's another medication. The Word of God is a medication, right? Joy is a medication. So uh, if we elevate those, what you'll find is uh, you will uh, guarantee to be taking less uh, physical medication, right? Less pills and less other things. Uh, if those things are true, if it's true that joy is a medication to your body, the Word of God is medication to your body, then um, uh, if you walk in those two aspects uh, of your life, for sure just those two alone would, would significantly improve the health of the church. Uh, and so... So she had talked in this particular chapter about walking in the joy of the Lord. And, of course, she got down to, I think we maybe mentioned this last week, in Philippians 4, 4, where Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
Yeah, and where was Paul when he wrote this? Uh, he was in jail, right? Uh, and so uh, you would think that, uh, uh, you know, if Paul said this, well, maybe Paul is just, uh, because he's the apostle Paul, he's dealt with everything. There are no problems in Paul's life, so he has the right and the ability uh, to rejoice at all times. Well, he, he uh, did have the ability to rejoice at all times, regardless of the circumstances. Uh, and that's where uh, oftentimes the church, the church's rejoicing and the church's joy is dependent upon the external circumstances. Uh, as long as everything around me is good, I can be in joy. If things are not good, there's no way I can be in joy. And yet Paul wrote this from the, the Roman prison. So uh, your circumstances are not, uh, uh, are not a requirement uh, or a prerequisite for them to be in order before you have the ability to be in joy. Uh, and in fact, it's very helpful to be in joy in the midst of your circumstances. Amen. We've been talking a lot about worry on Sunday mornings and um, how valuable it is to not worry and how to live in worry. In fact, we, we were in chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. But uh, verse 4, there is a good place to start. Rejoice in Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Is there a footnote that says as long as the, the situations around you are, are good and, and wholesome and perfect and no issues at all? No, there's no, there's no footnote that, that uh, causes this verse to no longer be applicable. Uh, well, as long as the economy is good, as long as my job is good, as long as my family is good, as long as my kids are good, as long as my car has got gas, as long as... Uh, you know, whatever the situation is, then I can rejoice. But, you know, as, as oftentimes the scripture, there, there's no uh, wiggle room. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, unless the circumstances uh, are not so good. There's no wiggle room at all, is there, right? So is that a commandment or suggestion? It's a commandment to rejoice in the Lord always, amen? Uh, and so, of course, we could go through lots of scriptures, lots of psalms, Talk about entering in, into the, uh, uh, the gates, you know, with joy and thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, and so there's lots of scriptures you can read about that. But really, you just got to know that the joy is a fruit of the spirit. And so if you're living a life of faith, it's easy to uh, have joy in your life. If, if you can just find no joy in anything, then you might want to look up on how much of a life of faith that you're living in. Uh, and some Christians, you know, they would die and go to heaven. I believe they're on the way to heaven right now. That it, it's so hard for them to find joy in anything. You're not having, uh, you're not having joy or, and not rejoicing because of the circumstance. You're having joy and rejoicing in the midst of the circumstance. So, there, you know, over the years there have been kind of weird doctrines that says you should thank God for all, all the adversity coming into your life. No, that's, that's crazy talk, right? We don't thank God for you know, an accident or thank God for a bad report from the doctor or thank God for, you know, th these terrible things that uh, on occasion come into our life. We thank God in the midst of that. We thank God that, Lord, regardless of the report that came from the doctor, you are my healer. So that's, we rejoice in the Lord. We don't rejoice for these things. And, and there was some weird doctrine that came out in the 80s uh, that you should rejoice and thank God for these things. Uh, and that's just weird, isn't it? But I remember reading that as a teenager and thinking, this seems something wrong with this, right? Something's wrong with this picture. Of course, I didn't know enough about the Bible to, to, uh, to understand what was wrong with it, but my heart knew. My heart knew this just seems like crazy talk to me. And of course, 
what happens a lot of times with a doctrine like that, they'll go and find somebody who rejoiced and thanked God for the, the cancer and maybe got healed in that. And they said, well, see, therefore, if you rejoice for your cancer, then, then God will heal you. But we don't base our faith on people's experiences. Amen? I mean, I'm thankful when I hear a testimony. But even when I hear a testimony, you know, I think, well, um, was that based upon the Word of God? Or, or just, you know, there's a thing called blind squirrel faith. It's not really a biblical doctrine, but, you know, sometimes people get things in spite of their lack of faith, right? Because God is merciful and kind, and sometimes he'll just throw you a bone because we're too uh, slow to pick up on faith. He may just help us out. Remember, the, Jesus went to the man at Pool of Bethesda and said, do you want to be healed? And what was the correct answer? Absolutely. But what did the man say? I got nobody to put me in. Like, well, you know, we were watching a show, you know, they actually had that particular scene in the show. And, of course, Jesus didn't say this, but, but uh, I think uh, it, it was fine for the, in the show for, for Jesus to say this. He said, That's not my, that wasn't my question. And when they said that, I said, yes, that's exactly right, you know, because that's what I always say. Well, that wasn't the question. That was, Jesus didn't ask, you know, uh, why haven't you gone into the pool? That wasn't because the, the answer to that was, well, I have no, I got nobody to put me in there. That wasn't the question. The question was, do you want to be healed? So the man didn't have any faith, you know. He just basically had no faith. Uh, and he said, I got no man to put me in. Jesus will take up your, your, your cot and, and, and walk. And so there was no evidence of faith at all on the man's side. Jesus just sovereignly granted him favor. And he, he does that on occasion, and we're thankful that he does that. He won't do that all of your life, but he'll do that in certain circumstances, in occasions and seasons and, and such. Uh, on occasion, he'll do that. But you can't have faith in that because uh, who decides that he's going to sovereignly move on your behalf? Well, he does. Well, what if you don't want him to? He may still do it. What if you do want him to? He might not do it. Uh, but he'll always do what his word says. And so his, he said that he's your healer. So, well, I can have faith in that every day. But I can't have faith that he's going to come find me in the pool of Bethesda and heal me. Because he, uh, the member says there's a great multitude there. How many people did Jesus go to? Just one. He passed by, uh, I mean, how, how much is the great multitude? One, one time he said they fed 5,000, and they called that a multitude. Well, there could have been thousands of people there. Uh, he passed them all and only went to one person. So he might, you might be in the great multitude part that he walks by, without doing a sovereign act. But everybody who, uh, that said, uh, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me, received healing. Everybody who cried out to God received healing. But only uh, a very small handful of people did nothing and God uh, healed them. Uh, and so to me, uh, uh, you've got either uh, a guaranteed works every single time or roll the dice, it might happen. Um, uh, um, it's more likely to not happen and people's like, well, which one takes less effort? Do nothing. Okay, that's the one I want. Yeah, but you're not guaranteed. In fact, you know, statistically, you're almost guaranteed not to get it. Yeah, but I don't have to do anything. Okay, well, all you have to do over here is just believe. Yeah, that sounds hard. That sounds hard. Is that, how much work is that? Well, you just got to believe. Is, 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 can I do anything less? No, you have to believe, amen? And so, so uh, I would much rather... Uh, when I look at the two options, I'm guaranteed if I go down this path to obtain it, or uh, if I go down this path, I'm guaranteed probably not even to get it, but uh, doesn't require any effort. Over here, the only effort is, is, is to obtain faith and to walk in faith. Uh, and so, 
So she said, rejoice in the Lord always, and I say, and again I say rejoice. So uh, we have the capacity to do that. And she gave a testimony about a man that was healed from kidney stones by rejoicing in the Lord. You know, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, that, that's perfectly fine. We just have to always make sure that whatever testimony we hear, it's still founded upon the Word of God because we can only replicate what somebody has done in relation to faith. Amen. If someone says, well, the Lord told me, you know, hop, hop on one leg, uh, you know, three steps at a time for an hour, and that'll get me healed. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to argue whether the Lord told him that or not because the Lord could tell him to do that. Remember, he told uh, the, the uh, uh, one leper to go wash in a pool of Siloam. Okay, that's great. Uh, but one, one uh, remember the 10 lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't tell them to go wash in a pool. He's going to go show yourself to the priest and offer a sacrifice according to the Le- Levitical law. Okay, well, one leper, he told him to go wash in a pool. And the other leper, he told him to go show himself to the priest. So which way is it? So, you know, it's hard to replicate uh, the specifics of what the Lord tells somebody to do because it may just be things that works for their physical body. But if it's something they did by faith in the Word of God, well, then we can all do that. Uh, well, you know, I just stood on the Word, and every day I got up and said, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are my healer. I am the healed of God. This body is whole and well. Okay, I can replicate that. But if, if the Lord said, go wash in a pool of Siloam, where is the pool of Siloam? Does it even exist? Is it dried up? What's the address? How do I fly there? What's the GPS coordinates for that? I don't know. Uh, even the, the, the uh, pool of Bethesda. Uh, you know, it said that an angel would come down, stir up the waters, and the first one in would get healed. That's great. Uh, Where is the pool? Does it even exist? It doesn't exist anymore, as far as I know. Uh, We're stuck, right? I I was the first one in the pool, and I got healed. That's great. I can't replicate that. Uh, But uh, I believe God that he's my healer. I can replicate that. So so even in testimony, uh, we should find out what's their... What's their basis from the word of God that allowed them to obtain this thing? If there's no basis, we still rejoice with them that they received their healing or received their promise or received the end of their, uh, their joy in that particular testimony. But if we can't replicate it by faith, uh, you know, some people, well, you know, by faith, uh, I just uh, throw away all my pills. That's great. If the Lord tells you to throw away all your pills, none of my business. I can't replicate that. You know, I, w- I would encourage you, don't replicate somebody else's faith, especially in something like that, because... The Lord may not have told you to do that. If he didn't tell you to do that, you didn't have any unction to do that, then you're just a person without pills, uh, and, although you're somebody who apparently needs pills. So, so because our, our faith is not based upon a testimony, amen? The Bible doesn't say that faith cometh by testimony, and testimony by the word of God is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the, the root of our faith is the word of God, amen? The testimonies are there to encourage us, to let us know that somebody has been on the same path that you've been on, that you're on right now, and that if they can make it, you can make it. So you can be encouraged in that. And so then you go go find the Word and uh, establish your faith, knowing that if they make it, then, then I can make it. Uh, amen? Uh, and so and that really ends uh, that chapter there. And so we only have a, a uh, few questions on this one, um, <clears throat> and, uh, but they're good questions, right? <clears throat> so question number one says... Uh, who is the only person that can keep God's word from healing you? You are. Uh, what about your neighbor? Can they keep, uh, they, can they keep uh, God's word from healing you? Uh, well, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get sick just like I am. Oh, I guess I am. Uh, can, they, can they do that? 
not really, right? I mean, if you hook up with them and, and agree with them, yeah, you're right. Well, that's still you, right? <clears throat> and so you're the only one who can keep God's word from healing you. Uh, and then, um, you know, we spent some time talking about this uh, question number two. Where is the first place we should look if we are not healed? To ourselves, right? Uh, because uh, if, if the Lord's word is true, which of course it is true, and we believe it, and we're not receiving the end of that, do we go to the Lord and say, Lord, why are you not healing me? See, that's not an appropriate question. That's the wrong question to ask. The correct question is, why am I not being healed? Uh, and then if you ask the right question, you'll get the right answer. If you ask an accusatory question for the Lord, he's not obligated to answer you. Lord, why did you decide not to heal me? Did, that, we, did we make that decision? I didn't make that decision. Did you make that decision? I didn't make that. He didn't make that decision. But how many times have you heard people in church say such things, right? Uh, I remember hearing a, a, a very well-known pastor of a very large church. He, he said these words. He said, when God decided not to heal my wife, we went to the doctor. But that, and that, that's what he said. When God decided not to heal my wife. So God in heaven made a decision. I could heal him. I choose not to heal your wife. That's a decision, right? So, so my will and plan and desire, my greatest desire is for your wife to suffer in this sickness and disease. That's what he's saying. When God decides not to do it, then that's his will, right? Your decision is, is a reflection of your will and your desire. So you're telling me God desires for your wife to be ill, and yet you're going to be in rebellion and go get something done by, about it by the natural doctors. Uh, no, uh, we've got to look to ourselves because we're the only ones that can hinder the word of God operating in our life. Your neighbor it can't hinder that. Your church can't hinder that. Only you are the one who can hinder that, amen? That it could be through ignorance. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's a thing. I mean, when I got saved, I didn't know that healing was a thing. And as I, as I stayed in church and heard the good news, uh, I started, it was amazing. Just, you know, just, I'm looking back and all these things, I had no idea. God's, he's a healer? Yeah. He's a provider? Yeah. I mean, he'll speak to you? Yeah. He'll, he'll give you a prayer language that nobody, yeah. And, and everything was new information to me. Uh, and it, it, was a, uh, it was an amazing time to get saved because, uh, you know, for someone like me who didn't grow up in church, uh, everything was so amazing. He still does that? Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it, w it was just a wonderful time in learning all those things. Uh, and so uh, if there's an area, and in fact, that's what she said, if, if I am praying and I don't receive the end of my prayer, I start looking to myself. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll say the right words, but uh, we don't even believe the words we say. Sometimes we say the right words, but then we immediately uh, short-circuit those words. You Lord, you're my healer. But, you know, my dad died of this thing, so, you know, there's a good chance I will, right? Uh, uh, Lord, you're my healer. Well, everybody else is getting it. I wonder if I'm going to get it too. You know, so a lot of times we shoot ourselves in the foot by saying something, you know, well, that just kills me. Well, I just love him to death, right? We, we add a lot of words of death in our conversation. Uh, and so, uh, well, Lord, why can't I get healed? Well, you, you, you keep getting close, but then, you know, you short-circuit your faith by your own words and actions. Uh, and so, uh, but if you'll do that, if you'll look to yourself and not look to, I, I know somebody uh, that they ended up dying, and they said, the reason I'm not, I'm not getting healed is your fault, because the Lord sometimes uses you, not anybody in particular here, but the Lord sometimes uses you to heal, and, and you're not living like you should to get me healed. 
Now that's putting a lot on somebody else. That, that was, not, that was a, not a true statement. Amen? Even if it was true that that person, I don't believe it was true, but even if it was true that that person should have been used to heal that person, uh, it's never somebody else's fault if you don't get healed. Uh, in, in fact, uh, there was a, a fella that went to uh, Amy Simple McPherson's uh, meeting years ago, and when, when you'd go to her meetings, before you, you're even allowed in the prayer line, you had to get a card that showed that you attended so many services. So they wouldn't even let you in the prayer line. Let me see your card. Uh, you've only got, been here once. You go back, come back tomorrow to the meetings in the morning and afternoon and evening and whatever, whenever they were. And uh, once you've attended so many services, then you can come to the prayer line. And the reason they did that is because it would build up faith, right? They wanted faith to be built up. So they did that. They went through the process, uh, made it into the prayer line, and were healed. Uh, and then years later, they went, uh, uh, a similar thing, not the exact same thing, uh, but a similar sickness got upon them, and they went back to Amy Simple McPherson, followed the process, got the card, uh, got in the prayer line, did not get healed. And their, their statement was, well, she just hasn't got it anymore. She used to have it, she doesn't have it anymore. Not my fault, it's her fault. Right? And they, then they started going around and finding all the healing evangelists with Oral Roberts. Yeah, he used to have it, he ain't got it anymore either. Because I went to prayer line, did everything they said, didn't get healed. Not my fault. Obviously, it's their fault. I mean, look, look they, they, they don't got it anymore. And they bounced around. They finally ended up in one of uh, Brother Hagen's services. In one of his meetings, he started teaching on, on, on your faith. Right? What faith do you have? And toward the end of the meetings, he, he came up to Brother Hagen and said, Brother Hagen, I'm starting to see that I've got something to do uh, with my own healing. And what it was is he was a baby Christian when he started, but he should have progressed past that. Okay, Lord's my healer. Now let me, I know he's my healer because he supernaturally and sovereignly healed me by the hands of Amy Sippen McPherson. Let me go get the scriptural basis for this healing so I can get that on my own. That's what he should have done. But instead of being a, a diligent student of the word, he just, well, that's somebody else's responsibility to get me healed. Now it's always your responsibility, but God is kind enough to uh, provide other methods for us to obtain healing. Uh, and so we're thankful for that, but at the end of the day, it's really going to be you. And, and if, you'll, if you'll stay consistent in your growth with the Lord, you'll find that, that you need fewer and fewer people to come into your life and provide blessings from heaven for you. You can obtain them on your own. Uh, it's not that as you get older, he's just not going to do things for you. It's as you get older in the Lord, you can obtain them by faith. Uh, and the best way and the highest way to obtain all the promises of God is by your faith, not by the hands of another man that uh, the Lord uses that way, which is great. But those are really primarily reserved for the, either those who have no faith at all, those who are outside the church, or those who are uh, young in the Lord and have no faith. That's the primary intent of, of those blessings. Uh, after a while, he wants us to obtain our own faith. And so we can do that. We can look to ourselves. Uh, and then uh, the last question is, uh, of course, she said this at the end of the chapter there, what is the gladdest of all letters? The book of Philippians, right? Because it talks about rejoicing in, in these things. And so it's, it's a good book, right? Uh, and so, so the very last chapter then here is, is uh, she talks about the Lord's Prayer. Of course, uh, that's in uh, the book of Matthew chapter 6. So let's, let's turn there. <clears throat> and we'll see what, uh, what uh, she has a discussion uh, here in Matthew chapter 6. So, uh, so she read the whole uh, prayer first, and it will start here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Of course, we studied this in, in some detail on Sunday morning as we're going through the, um, 
the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and so, uh, but Jesus said, after this manner, verse, verse 9, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done uh, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so she starts out with, with discussing our Father which is out in heaven. Uh, so who's our Father? Well, he's the Father which is in heaven, right? Uh, and, and if we've been born again, then uh, he is our Lord. And uh, if you remember from uh, Exodus 15, 26, at the end of it, it said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. So, uh, of course, the Hebrew of that says, I am Jehovah that Rapha thee, right? I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. So he is our father. So we have a new family, amen? Yeah. And we have a new loving father. And, and, I, and I like the way that Jesus starts that out with uh, our father, which art in heaven. So that implies there's a relationship there. And, and, and it's a family relationship, right? It's a familiar, uh, familiar relationship. It's not just a business relationship or a, a, um, uh, a contractual relationship. It's a family relationship, our Father which art in heaven. So if he's our Father, then, then what does he desire for us? All good things, right? And healing would be one of them. Uh, and so uh, she said, uh, next she said, hallowed be thy name. And so we talked a lot about that, about uh, uh, how it's good to worship the Lord, right? Especially in the early parts of your prayer. Uh, but she also makes a, uh, a comment about hallowed be thy name. So what name do we have access to today as a church? The name of Jesus, right? So, uh, you know, the name of the Father is, is to be worshipped, but also the name of Jesus is to be worshipped. Uh, and you remember what uh, Peter told the people in, in the book of Acts there after the man at the gate beautiful was healed, he said in Acts 3.16, and his name through faith in his name hath made this, this man strong, whom you see and know. Uh, and he says, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Uh, and so uh, his name is to be worshiped and, and to be praised. And so we're thankful for uh, the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and then uh, she, she talks about the kingdom come. Uh, and uh, she has a few comments about that. And I'll, I'll let you read those. But the second part of that phrase there, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and that to me is such, such a, um, it's like a Trojan horse of faith. Right? It's just snuck right in there. Everybody prays the Lord's prayer, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And it's gone. on. They don't really think anything about that. But uh, that tells you uh, a lot about God's desire of how we live in this earth. Uh, that will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So whatever heaven is like, that's God's will for the earth. Well, where do we live? We live in the earth, right? Do we live in heaven right now? I know we're seated in heavenly places, but that's, a, that's the potential uh, position of, of the body of Christ. That's not where we actually reside yet. We will reside there someday, but our, our, our position is in heaven. But our life, a uh, natural life, is here on this earth. So, uh, is there any sickness and disease in heaven? Is there hospitals in heaven? The, the, uh, if you're in earth, do you get to keep that job when you get to heaven? Yeah, oh, we got a call. Yeah, right? Uh, uh, fourth, uh, fourth and broad in heaven. Uh, we got somebody with a heart attack. They're, they're down. You know, we got so and so's down, you know, in heaven. We got to go get them to the heaven hospital. No, there's no EMTs, no, no uh, 
uh, ambulances in heaven. Well, that's a true statement, which it is a true statement, then, then that's his will. Whatever his will is in heaven, and everybody knows what heaven's like. We don't know all the specifics, but it's just good, right? Every, oh, yeah, it's good. Oh, you mean like, like sickness good? No, that's not, there's no sickness in heaven. Uh, and so uh, there, thy will be on earth is in heaven. Uh, and, and then, of course, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, and so we can, uh, I did like the, the point that she made, uh, and I don't think we brought this point out uh, in, uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, when, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, what did Jesus say was children's bread with a Syrophoenician woman? Healing, right? Uh, he, he said that uh, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And, and the woman was asking for healing for her daughter. Uh, and he said, I, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, or I can't take this healing and give it to you. You're not a covenant member of the house of Israel. So <clears throat> he called uh, healing the children's bread. So if, uh, and, and you'd be perfectly fine saying, Lord, you said to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, I need healing. That's part of my bread. So give, us, uh, give me this day my healing. You'd be perfectly fine in making that case with the Lord because you can, you can say, well, Lord, you sit over here to ask for bread, but you sit over here that bread is also a type and a shadow of healing for your children. So that's what I want. I don't, I don't want, you know, uh, a, uh, a slice of Wonder Bread uh, I need a slice of healing. Uh, and, and the Lord, okay, that's fine. Make your case, right? I'd make that case with the Lord all day long. They wouldn't feel bad about it. So, we, so he said, give us this day, our daily bread. So could you believe for healing every day? Well, if, if healing is the children's bread, then you can make the case without changing any scripture, without you know, uh, twisting it and saying something it doesn't say. You can make the case that every day you have a right to healing. Uh, and so that, that's pretty good, right? Uh, and so uh, she went on and, and said, and forgive us our debts. Uh, uh, and of course, our debts really, uh, she makes the points here that our debts are our sins, which, you know, that, and that's, that's a fine, uh, a, a fine um, uh, discussion there uh, <clears throat> to say that our debts are our sins. But, you know, it's, it's also talking about other debts. It could be financial debts. It could be other debts. But uh, sins is, is, is just as well as anything. Um, and what we'll find is, and we've looked at these uh, examples many times in the scriptures, that, that, uh, that forgiveness and healing oftentimes go together. And so, you know, if, if your sin is a hindrance to your healing, then, um, then obtain the forgiveness for that sin and then obtain your healing, right? You remember the man in Luke chapter 5 that was born by his four friends and laid down, uh, brought, uh, laid through the roof of the house there, the first thing that Jesus says, man, thy, thy, thy sins are forgiven. And then he healed him. So there are, there are times, we looked at this many times, that there are some cases, not every case, but some cases where your sin is a hindrance to you receiving healing. Well, what should you do? Repent, right? Get your forgiveness and then obtain your healing. And that's what Jesus did, right? He didn't say, no, I'm not, I'm not praying for you, you're in sin. He just forgave him, and then he, was, then he healed him. Amen? So sometimes even the church makes such a big deal about sin. Well, you, you, God's never going to heal you. You're in sin. Well, why don't you pray for their forgiveness first? Jesus did that. Amen? Yeah. And so uh, why don't you help somebody out there? Instead of just saying, yeah, you know, I hope you die in your sins, or you know, God's never going to heal someone like you, help them get repentance. Help them get forgiveness. And then, then you can help them get their healing instead of uh, being so hard on people about their, their sin that they're in. 
uh, what sins have you got? Amen? And so um, uh, these oftentimes go together, right? Uh, now, a lot of times people will, uh, I'm not getting healed, so I must have some secret sin. I always love that one. I must have some secret sin. Well, who's it a secret from? God, does God, is God unaware of that? If he's not unaware of it, then it doesn't have to remain secret, you know? And, and I don't even believe there's such a thing anyway as secret sin, right? Uh, there, there, uh, there may be things you're doing that you uh, refuse to acknowledge that you're doing, refuse to yield to the Spirit of God that you're doing these things that's causing you difficulty in your life, refuse to believe that the Scripture says, you know, to walk in love. You know, there's a lot of things we do, and we refuse what the Word of God says about that circumstance. Uh, in, in fact, you know, I was, I was talking to the Lord one time about a situation dealing with somebody and I said, Lord, you know, can't you ask them to walk in love towards me? And he said, no. Uh, and um, kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because I thought, well, I can't even get God to help me on this one. And then, uh, now I didn't ask him why he said no. And that was my failing because I should have asked him, well, Lord, why not? Because that would have been a valid question. Well, why not? You know, I'm asking you to do something, but you said no. Well, why not? And, and years later, uh, I believe he prompted me uh, about that same event. And so, so Lord, why did, why did you tell me no? And this is what he said. He said, I already spoke in my word to walk in love. He said, I am not obligated to repeat myself. Now, he can repeat himself, but he's not obligated to repeat himself. He's not required to. If he says walk in love in the word of God, which he says to walk in love in the word of God, then is he required to supernaturally tell you to walk in love? No, but a lot of people won't. Unless God speaks to them supernaturally, they won't move. Well, he did speak to us supernaturally through the word, but they want like a spectacular event, like the skies part, right? And thunder rolls, and we hear a voice from heaven, thou shalt walk in love. Well, that's great, but he's not obligated to do that, amen? Uh, and so, so we, have to be, uh, we have to be careful in those things that... Uh, uh, the Lord's spoken to us, and uh, uh, it kind of goes back to what she was talking earlier about, uh, about um, uh, looking to yourself. But a lot of times people, uh, in, in fact, the same person said, I must have a secret sin, also said, in, uh, not the same exact breath, but at different times, I just have a hard time forgiving people. Okay, uh, well, that's your problem, because you shouldn't have a hard time forgiving people, because Jesus said to do it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Well, they did a big thing. It doesn't matter. It's a huge thing. It doesn't matter. There's no big thing. There's nothing that's over, able to overcome the love of God. You're telling me that that thing they did to you is greater than the love of God? Well, it can't be greater than the love of God. So nothing measures up and, and is equal to the love of God. So there's nothing you can't forgive. Well, uh, now you may say, well, I don't want to forgive. Well, okay, now, now we're getting down to brass tacks, right? Because that's really the issue. You just don't want to forgive. Fine, okay. At least we're on the same page that if you don't want to forgive, then you will remain in that sin, and that sin uh, can possibly uh, uh, continue to be a hindrance to your receiving healing. And until you decide to, to yield to the Lord, you may never get healed. And there's a lot of people who are in that state that, 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 that whatever sin that they're in, unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment, whatever sin they're in, it has become a hindrance to them receiving healing, and they don't want to give it up. They want to obtain healing some other way. And Lord showed them, in your case, this is your specific issue. You need to get rid of this before I can heal you. I'm not punishing you in that. It's a hindrance to my blessing upon your life. Uh, and I ain't doing it. And the Lord's like, well, 
you're not moving, I can't move. Until you move, I can't move. Uh, and so, you know, people like to, uh, you know, I have a hard time forgiving. So what they're saying is, it's not my fault. And again, they goes, always go back to the same thing of, uh, you cannot uh, excuse your guilt by, any, by giving a reason for why you won't do the will of God. And a lot of people are trying to excuse their guilt. Uh, well, I can't do it. It's too hard. So they're trying to use an excuse to say, I am therefore not guilty. But you are guilty. I mean, it's not, we're all guilty of, of things that we do that's outside the will of God. Uh, but you can't, a lot of times we try to use an excuse to remove our guilt. Instead of just asking forgiveness to remove our guilt, you ask for forgiveness, guilt's gone, you're good. Amen? You get healing, uh, and sometimes quickly after that. But some, people just don't want to give it up. And, and uh, to me, I, I just don't understand that. I don't understand, uh, you know, I understand people, you know, have difficulties in other areas of sin, but when they just know, it's just, I'm just not doing it. I'm not going to give this thing up. You know, oftentimes it's, it's ill will towards another person, uh, even in the body of Christ, and they just don't want to give it up. Uh, and the Lord oftentimes is unable to bless them in that. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, she goes on to say, uh, lead us not into temptation. And she said, I do not know any temptations that are harder to fight than those of doubt, fear, unbelief, discouragement, and despair that come with Satan's attack on our bodies. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting statement there that, uh, that these are temptations, right? Uh, doubt is a temptation. You think God's going to do that? Oh, maybe not. You know, he used to do it. Maybe he's going to stop doing it. Fear, unbelief, discouragement, and despair. Those are all temptations the devil tries to put on us. And if we just reject them summarily and say, I'm not, no, I'm not believing that. God said in his word that he's my healer. I refuse to be in unbelief. I refuse to get discouraged. You know, a lot of times uh, people are believing God for healing. And if it doesn't come day one, they get discouraged. If it doesn't come day two, they're discouraged. If it doesn't come day three, they get discouraged. Uh, well, who cares how long it takes? Amen. Uh, there, there's been things I've, uh, it's taken me a year to receive healing. I didn't give it up just every day, you know. I'm the healed of God every day. And, and like after a year, it just dissolves, goes away. And, I, and, and maybe it took 11 months or 10 months, you know, I, you, know you kind of forget about it after a while. You're so used to declaring your faith that uh, it just comes and sometimes there's no, there's no spectacular event that just you wake up one day and it's gone and you don't even realize that it's gone. And it, well, it seems like it's been about a year. And I can't, I can't tell you how often that, that happens in my life where uh, now sometimes it, it, it goes away in minutes, sometimes hours, sometimes days, but the longest one has been a year. Uh, and, and I don't care. I'm not going to get despair. I will fight it every day. Uh, and, and I think you were telling me this morning about uh, Brother Hagen, uh, you know, one of his uh, ailments when he was growing up, he had many things that were terminal in his life, but one of them was, was heart, uh, was a heart uh, problems there. Yeah. And um, the doctor said, you know, you've got so many things wrong with you. Any one of these things could kill you. Uh, and after he was supernaturally, spectacularly healed, he said for four years he had to deal with the, the thoughts of heart disease coming back on him for four years. So he got healed when he was about 17 years old uh, because that fear would try to get on him, right? And the symptoms, yeah, he would feel the symptoms, you know, because he knew what the symptoms were like. Well, the heart wouldn't beat regularly, um, and he could feel that. Uh, and, and uh, he had to fight that for a year, and he realized that a lot of it was from fear, right, that the fear of that coming back on him, that he would be uh, paralyzed again and be bedridden, and he had to deal with that. So that was really a, more of a temptation of the fear of that, uh, of fearing that uh, heart disease coming back on him. 
Uh, and uh, and I have I've known uh, in many cases in my life when I get uh, when I obtain healing that oftentimes within a short period of time after that a couple weeks maybe a month or two not much longer than that 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 same symptom will come back and and, and immediately I, no I I'm already healed of that I reject you in Jesus name you have to be very diligent on that and and usually what I've just found by experience is. Uh, you may have to do that once or twice after you obtain healing. After that, it just goes away and, and never returns because uh, oftentimes those are just the thoughts of the devil trying to get back uh, in your mind to get you into fear, to open up the door for that sickness to really come back. <clears throat> and so uh, you have to stay diligent in those things because I, I know people that said, uh, well, you know, I got that healing, but it came back in a couple months. And just, you know, really sad. I'm sad for them because it's like, why didn't you fight it? When that came back, why didn't you say no? In their minds, well, I, I got a couple months of reprieve, but after that, it just came back like it was before. So, uh, so this, this faith stuff must not really work that well. Well, no, it worked perfectly fine. You should have stayed diligent in that, right? Uh, and so a lot of times they um, uh, don't look to themselves, right? Going back to the original statement that uh, Dr. Yeoman said about looking to themselves. Uh, and uh, uh, she continues in, in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. Well, uh, her comment was that this covers all diseases. Are all diseases, diseases evil? Yes. Pretty much. Any good diseases? Yeah, I like that disease. That's awesome. Nobody says that, right? Uh, all disease, so if, if uh, all diseases are evil, then can you not pray, deliver me from this sickness and disease? Uh, they'd be perfectly fine, right? <clears throat> and so the, the Lord's Prayer ends with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So she started with, uh, the Lord's Prayer starts with, with worship, ends with worship, right? Uh, and when you have the ability to worship the Lord to, before you ask for something and after, after you've asked for something, then you know you're in faith, right? Because you're not under so much fear. Oh, I've got to pray for these things. They say, Lord, I, I, I got some things I can deal with, but first I've got to tell you how, how wonderful and amazing you are. And now that I've asked you for these things, I just need to remind you again about how wonderful and amazing you are. And that's a good, that, that's a good form, right? That, that's a good way to honor the Lord uh, with worship before uh, and worship after your request uh, made, to, made to the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so uh, it's a couple minutes after 4 o'clock. You guys want to answer our eight questions? And then we'll, we'll stick a fork in it, right? It'll be done. Uh, and so, uh, uh, question number one says, if we have been born again, who is our Father? The Lord that heals us, right? Uh, and so uh, he's our Father. Amen? If we've been born again. Um, and when his kingdom comes, what will he bring with it? Some of these we didn't cover directly. You know, we kind of uh, went through the last chapter pretty quickly. But uh, health of body, right? The, the answer that. What's that? Perfect peace. Perfect peace, right? That was the answer that she she had in her in her book there. Uh, is there any sickness in heaven? No. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, what did Jesus call the children's bread? Healing, right? What, what was the story? Who was the person that he was talking to in relation to that? The Syrophoenician woman, right? Anybody remember what book, chapter, verse that's in? Or at least book and chapter? It's in the New Testament, right? All right. It's got to be in the Gospels, right? So we're down to four books, right? Uh, it's in Matthew 15, right? Uh, the story of the Syrophoenician woman. <clears throat> uh, this is the comment that she made, that blank and healing go together. Forgiveness and healing go together. If we could remember that, we'd get a lot more healing going on in the church, right? Uh, what is the source of, of the hardest temptations to fight? Self-care. 
Yep, yep. Uh, she says, uh, the answer I've got there, but I think uh, Doris is more correct, Satan's attack on our bodies, but it's really, um, well, that's what she said in her earlier comment, that these things come with Satan's attack on our bodies, but it's really those, those specific things, doubt, fear, unbelief, discouragement, and despair. Uh, and then, uh, what phrase from the Lord's Prayer applies to all diseases? Deliver us from evil, right? Uh, and so, you know, you could use the Lord's Prayer for a lot of different things. I mean, deliver us from evil, well, what would that cover? Basically anything not good, right? Uh, and so, uh, at the end of it, how do we know that we have an answer to our prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, right? And so that's, that's uh, how we know we have an answer to our prayers. And so, um, and, and that completes uh, Dr. Yeoman's books there. And so, of course, you all have a copy of that book. And I'd encourage you, you know, you can go back and read it on occasion. You, you have a copy of that book. Uh, if you've got just a minute, uh, since we're here, I'm going to hand out the next book because uh, we're going to start on this book just next week, right? Uh, and... Um, <clears throat> So I just want to give you a, a little introduction to this book. So this book is called um, Bodily Healing and the Atonement. Uh, and it was written by a fellow by the name of Dr. T.J. McCrossan back in 1930. And he was a, uh, a Bible, Greek, and Hebrew scholar that was uh, uh, part of a university for, for many years. And it was a, uh, started a large church and then uh, got hooked up with the full gospel message of healing kind of thrown out of his Presbyterian church, and so uh, he went on to become a great scholar. But, you know, he wrote this in, in really in the 20s. You know, it was published and republished uh, in the 30s. And, um, you know, in that time frame, the late 1800s, early part of the 1900s, there was a lot of intellectualism going on in the church, right? Intellectualism really ha had uh, uh, kind of taken over a big portion of the church uh, as a whole, which is kind of how he ended up not uh, being able to remain as a pastor of his church. Uh, and uh, a lot of the intellectualism was trying to remove uh, the supernatural out of the church. Uh, and uh, anybody know who Thomas Jefferson is, right? Uh, the, was he the second president of the country, right? A writer of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, he actually uh, put together a Bible translation called Jefferson's Bible. It actually was called something else more technically. Uh, but he didn't actually write a Bible translation. He, he got several different uh, translations, and he cut and pasted them with a pair of scissors and glue, right? And back, back then, cut and paste was literally cut and paste. Uh, and what he did was he just removed, uh, it was just the Gospels, basically. He removed all the supernatural out of the Gospels, anything to do with the deity of Jesus, you know, but he kept in, you know, love your enemies and just the good stuff, the moral things, right, the moral aspects of Jesus, but none of the supernatural aspects of Jesus. Uh, and that was, that was very common uh, in the 1800s, right, in, in the early 1900s. And so he wrote this book really as a defense uh, against a lot of that uh, mentality. And he, and he spends his time proving that, because that basically the, the premise was that healing was not part of the atonement. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, that a lot of people said, well, healing, well, the work of the cross did not include healing which is a really dumb statement, but people make that statement, right? No, that wasn't part of the, it wasn't part of the cross. Uh, and so he put together a, just, a, it's not a large book, but he put together a book that, that covers that particular argument. Uh, and, and of course, he is a doctor. So in this book, there's a lot of highfalutin Greek and a lot of highfalutin Hebrew and a lot of, this is the second 
present participle, active, you know, first person, plural, uh, verb tenses, ignore all that, right? Because all you care about is what does that mean? So, you know, I don't, I don't even know what, you know, there's, there's in the Greek language like aorist and all kinds of uh, different Greek tenses. You don't have to know any of that stuff. You just, he, he just says this, this tense and this is what it means. Okay, I believe you on this part. I'll read what you said, what you said it means over here. So don't get, uh, don't get lost in, in the, well, I don't know what he's saying. Just ignore those things that, you know, because you don't have to be a Greek scholar to read this book, amen, or a Hebrew scholar to read the book. Uh, but it's a good book. It makes a great um, a great argument that yes, healing is part of the atonement, and so I, I feel like it'd be a good book for us to go through. And like everything else, you know, there's a few things that we've got to correct that uh, he said that you know not quite accurate. But you know, even though he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar, still got to be the, be a person of faith, amen. Uh, and so it's a good book, and uh, it's in public domain, you know. So basically, I just took the book and it's printed out ourselves, and I added our questions directly in the book itself. So it's set up as a study guide there with all the things there. So um, it's, it's only, well, this is 56 pages, but it's, it's, it's a very um, powerful 56 pages, right? And so you may have to be on one page a day. It may take you a while to get through it, but don't despair. It's a good book, amen? He's got good, uh, and we'll talk about some of the basis of his studies, you know, not today, but uh, we'll, we'll give you some background, a little bit of background of where he came from in, in doing this. And so we've got copies up here. Uh, up here. Chris has got them there. You don't mind just handing one out to everybody. And um, that'll be your next assignment. Amen. And as people come in to uh, healing school, we'll give them a copy of this book as well. Uh, and um, of course, we can print these out anytime we need to. We've got a bunch of copies of this. But um, so, um, yeah, just read the book. And uh, I think it's a great book. It, it's just uh, uh, a lot of great ministers. Brother Hagen loved this book. A lot of great ministers have used this book over the years uh, as some good basis for our faith. In fact, reading this book, I realized I hear a lot of phrases and things that great ministers have said came from this book, right? Just like a lot of things we read from Christ the Healer, uh, from F.F. Bosworth, uh, like uh, the, will, the, the faith begins where the will of God is known. Well, F.F. Bosworth is the first one that I know that said that. But I, how many people have you heard say that same phrase? Well, he's the one who said it, right? And of course, you know, after you say it a couple of times, you don't have to say where you got it from because you can just act like you said it. Uh, and so that's the law, right? Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so we'll pick this book up next week, amen? So it gives you a whole week to read it. I mean, if you can read the whole thing in a week, praise God, you're amazing, right? Uh, and so it'll be a good book, amen? We'll be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday. <clears throat> oh, what's that? Did you share an offering? What'd you say? Someone once said that the reason there's so many doctors in the church is because of all the sickness. There you go. Uh, you guys want to receive an offering real quick? Let's good receive an offering. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And I got all excited about our new book here. And, and um, uh, but yeah. Uh, and um, I guess I could put this up on our website so if people want to download it. They can download it because it's again it's it's public domain there, so we're not violating any copyright laws. So two years. Really, two years ago. So. Uh, I mean, we, it might take us uh, two months. It might take us 14 years to get through Dr. McCrossin's book here. We'll see how it goes, right? Uh, I guess I can look up and see. Uh, I don't know how many, how many uh, well, I don't have those notes on my iPad right now, but in Dr. Yeoman's book, let's see. I've got, uh, how many pages have I got in this thing? Let's see here. It's got to tell me eventually. Come alive. Wake up. Wake up. 
So it, it took me 112 pages of notes for Dr. Yeoman's book. So uh, uh, how many, I think there's like 300 pages in the book. So there's a lot of notes. It's just notes on, about the book, amen. Uh, and I've got lots of notes on Dr. McCrossin's book here as well. Uh, and um, so again, don't, uh, don't despair if he starts talking about some Greek uh, uh, or Hebrew uh, verb tense. Just go, I, I, I totally believe everything you're saying here. And then find out what he says, amen. Uh, that's the part that you care about is the doctrine about his discussion, amen. Uh, and so, all right, uh, we received the offering. We good? Uh, all right, we'll be blessed. We'll see you next week.